Are we ready? Hold up. No, no, just leave it open, dude. Shoot. I need some air up in this piece. Just leave it open. Ain't nobody gonna come through. It looks different, though. So what? <laughs> it looks aesthetically different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people are gonna. It it looks bro. Looks awful. Looks so gong show. So you know, we we just we just. <laughs> I love how that was delayed too. It, All right, hockey term. Oh. Hockey term. Bush league amateur. <clears throat> Shut up and get the spirit. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Right, right. <laughs> Welcome everybody. This is Massey and Mike. We are back with our fifteenth podcast. Can you guys Fifteen. Can't forget the dance. And we're also we're also brought to you by Unkin Onuts. Yes, Lord. The official non-sponsor. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And when we do get sponsored by them, you'll understand why. Yes. It's because we it's the precious. Because we drink like 40 gallons of it a week. <laughs> <laughs> At least. No, it keeps us up. Guys, we've been having some good stuff. Last week, we just had Paul and yeah. uh, you, you guys talking about the G20 Summit. I wasn't involved in it because, frankly, I don't care how the world views America. <laughs> so it wasn't in my wheelhouse. It's just something I didn't want to get involved in. But it was a prevalent topic. And so this week, we're going to continue on the talk of abortion. I remember the last one hit really well, and it was very convicting. And I know that it was a heavy one. And if you guys stayed through the whole thing, the last 10 minutes is we were delivering hope. And after that podcast aired, we were like, you know, I, I, did, did anyone get anything out of this? Yeah. And then we got messages in on the YouTube channel. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because one of those men is Chris, and he's here tonight, and we want him to share what he shared on YouTube. And I'll read his uh, response here in a second. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to interview two people tonight. And one of them is Chris and one of them is Michelle. And uh, these two, we'd heard, my wife had actually heard Michelle speak at a women's, uh, women's retreat, a women's re- uh, weekend. Right. And, uh, it, it was powerful what Carrie had said. And I said, well, geez, we love Michelle. We know Michelle, uh, since I pastor here at Revive Church, um, we thought, why don't we get them up and, and do a, a message on hope through failure, through sin and how to overcome and be an overcomer. And we're so honored to have mm. Michelle, I would say your last name, but I don't want people to stalk you. So, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> How you doing? So, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for this awesome opportunity. I'm psyched. And happy. I think I'm I'm good. And this is great. So it's it's unique uh, to do shows like this because I don't really do a lot of interviews. I'm not good at them. You are because you actually listen to people. I just talk. <laughs> and uh, it's I'm I'm glad that we can sit here and it's an honor for us. Trust me, it's not an honor for us to have you. It's an honor for you to be here Absolutely. with us. Like it, that's not a bad. You said it opposite, but that's yeah, I okay. I, I know. Yeah, no, it's an honor for us to host you. We are so happy you're here. That's right. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, no problem. This will make one of the blooper reels for sure. There's always at least ten We're, bloopers. You're honored by our presence. Yeah, yeah. it's it's your it's your pleasure, Michelle. Thanks. It's your pleasure. Um, no, and, and so I, I'm just going to start asking some questions like, who are you? Why, like, what is it that made you change? Who, start with the life of Michelle. How'd you grow up? Um, what, what, what is it about you that got you to the position where it's like, man, I'm, I'm caught up in sin, you know what I mean? And what was the Redeemer? How did that all happen, you know? And you can go into detail if you want. A lot of callous, different people listen to us. People have been abused and things like that, so. Yeah. Um, just a really quick overcap. I, um... I came from a, a horrific, um, abusive background, every kind of abuse that you can think of. Um, that was my life. I didn't know anything different. Um, I've been on my own since I was 16, so I had an extremely abusive, mentally and physically abusive stepfather. Um, it was just violent. So, you know, it, it is true. You go from abuse to abuse. Right. And so when I moved out and you're 16, you know, kind of hard to make it. And we grew up in the country. You know, our um, our main street was a dead end. So it's not like we had a whole lot of what? opportunities, you know. Wow. We, so uh, it was rough. You know, I barely made it through high school. So I went from there. I lived with a girlfriend for a few minutes, her and her family. But I was so broken mm-hmm. and so rebellious. And, you know, some people in, introvert, some people rebel. Man, I chose rebellion. And so then I... I couldn't tell by the purple hair. Right? (laughs) Just saying. I love it. 
<laughs> I love it. Hey, it's royalty. Amen. Oh, good. And it is. It is. It's my yeah, crown it's of true. royalty. So when I left there, I moved in with my boyfriend and um, extremely controlling. And I was very tiny at the time, believe it or not. But I was. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I worked hard. I worked 40, 60 hours a week, plus tried to finish high school, and it was just never enough. And, um, and having been sexually abused prior, hated sex. But, you know, that's all guys want are sex, is sex. It's like that small town. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody tried everybody. And that's just all we knew. We're a bunch of broken people. So uh, I remember the day that I found out that I was pregnant, and um, he threatened. He said, um, you're not having my baby, and uh, I'm going to make sure of it. Okay, so what, what the heck does that mean? So, but this was back in the, oh my goodness, this is 88 now, I guess. I'm a little old. So this is back in 88, and, um, you know, I didn't know anything about abortion. I didn't know nothing. Right. Yeah. And so one day we took our, we were going somewhere, and he was extremely abusive. And we got to this place. He goes, you have an appointment. You need to go inside right now. I'm thinking, what the heck? Are you, what are you doing? What, what do you mean an appointment? He said, just go inside. I've already taken care of everything. And I remember going in there, and I didn't, you know, I was so numb from abuse and so numb. I was barely making it. Mentally, I was barely making it. And so when I went in there, I will never forget every single detail that happened. Uh, I can remember the room. I can remember the sounds. I can remember everything. But I had no choice. Um, the part that I left out is, you know, you're going to do this or you're done. I'll take care of you. And, you know, that was, that was my life. That was the violence that I grew up in. Mike, do you remember that thing that we said? I don't mean to cut you off because mm-hmm. I want to add to this. Do you remember what you said last time when you said it's not the people that get the abortions that we're yeah. going to have an issue with? What was it that you said? It's, it's the people who push it. The people who encourage it, the people who are telling other people in a vulnerable position, in a vulnerable position to get this, to do this, those are the people that that we really railed against last time. Yeah. Um, now, there's there's people who overcome from that position too, but we see so often, especially today, this whole shout your abortion movement is outrageous because it's a bunch of people who are going, this is good. You need to do this. Right. So go out yeah. and do this. They're Let's, encouraging And that. take it to scripture. You remember the Pharisees when they brought the woman who was caught in adultery? Right. Notice how they were pushing to right. have yeah. her murdered? Right. Not seeking redemption for her. Right. Not saying, hey, there's redemption. We need to make a sacrifice for her sin or anything like that. Right. It was to push her death. Right. So who did Christ rebuke? Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I'm not mad at the prostitute when you can clearly see they're repentant. I'm not mad right. when you see an abortion committed with a woman who's so vulnerable, I'm getting hot again. It just yeah. bothers me so much that you would be pushed into that position. I'm sorry, but, continue. This yeah. is a No, good... that's that's it's good because it, it is true. But you know, because of everything I had grown up in, I didn't think I was a victim because mm. I was such a hardcore person on the outside, but I didn't know how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I knew what it was to street fight. I knew what it was to be in a fist fight. I knew what it was to have black eyes and give black eyes. But when it came to taking care of me, I didn't know how. I get you. And um, no money, 16, what, what are you going to do? And, um, and really, I, didn't, I couldn't even think about a baby. So it wasn't even like I was, it wasn't even really real to me. At that moment in time. But after that happened, um, like I said, I can still hear the sounds. I know the whole thing. And I just remember crying. And when I walked out there, my life stopped. I stopped and I did not live. I existed until after I got saved. So, And I didn't get saved until I was 23 years old. So from 16 to 23, I was Gosh. literally walking numb. Did you realize that was what had made you numb? Not a clue. You just knew you were numb. I just knew I was numb. Yeah. Not a clue. Um, I didn't know. Even Paul and I got married. My husband now, we've been married 20, almost 28 years. And he has a gift that I absolutely hated, is unconditional love. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to be a human, to be honest with you. I just continuously did everything I could to push him away. And yeah. he just kept loving me and loving me. And we got radically saved. And so I had already had a daughter, and I had a six-month-old son. 
in the process, still not knowing anything about being you know, healed or delivered, I did not want my daughter when she was born. I, Paul would walk in the door, and I would literally throw her at him and say, take care of your kid, not knowing what the heck is wrong with me. But I, I couldn't. I couldn't be a mom. And that didn't come out until after I got saved in 1995, and I went to a spirit-filled church. And one day I was sitting there. I mean, I begged Paul um, to have—he had a vasectomy because I had horrible childbirth, and I, um, I can't have any more children, or it would kill me. And so he went right away and had a vasectomy. So it got to the point where I even begged him, if you don't reverse that vasectomy, I'm leaving. I want a divorce, and I'm already saved but still hadn't met any deliverance or inner healing. And he would just, he's a man's man, he's a Marine, and he would just cry. He's like, I love you. What am I doing wrong? And one day I met with one of the ladies from our home group, and I just said, she said, why do you want a divorce? I said, because I have this void. I had an abortion, and I need a baby. And I manifested the spirit of death from the abortion, and she was able to deliver me and heal me. And then I began walking through the process of being able to learn to love my daughter because going through the process, I realized that I aborted a baby girl. Was it hard mm-hmm. for you? And I want you to explain this. You know how, because there's a lot of women who do find men who absolutely adore them and love them. Yeah. Was it hard to receive love because you had not had it and you didn't know how to receive it or were you just blind to it? Because I mean, you're, you're having girls watch this, right? Right. And they probably feel that numb and they right. don't understand the spirit of death and right. all these deliverance things. They're just trying to understand, is that me? Is that me? How did that work? How did that feel? You know, Or how did that look? Um, because I didn't know how to love anybody and definitely did not love myself. Um, like I said, we'll be married 28 years. It Amen. wasn't until 15 years ago, and I'd already been walking with the Lord for a long time and spirit-filled. And until I went through all of the healing and deliverance that I had, I couldn't handle Him loving me because I hated me. So it was, I couldn't receive. So I would literally cry, and I do not like to cry. And I would just cry, what is wrong with me? But my heart was so hard. And I had been, the rug been pulled out from underneath me so many times. And men had used me and abused me so much. I was always afraid to let my guard down. You know, because Paul's a big guy. Like I said, he's a big Marine. And I'm thinking, if that dude hit me one time, I'm done. I'm hurt. And so there was always that fear of, you're going to turn out like everybody else. And so it's crazy because those of us that don't know how to receive love or give love, the thing we crave the most is love. Mm-hmm. You know, so we look for love in everything. That's why, we, why I was so promiscuous. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, I hated sex. I hated it. I'm just being really real. You do it, and then the more you do it, the more you hate yourself. But nothing could ever touch that void. Yeah. Nothing. And it's kind of like... The, the, the one thing that, especially from a lot of women who are on the opposite side, who are for abortion or pro, whatever they want, pro-death, yeah. right? Um, their whole thing is, is men don't understand women, so get out of our way because we're women and we want to make the choice. When there are men truly, like your Absolutely. husband, who really do want to love you through this. We yeah. don't want you to have an abortion. We don't even, it's not that we're like trying to tell you and command your body to stop. No, there's a life in there that we know we can do this together. Can right. you explain how that worked out with, with Paul? Like, what kind of character did he have? And the reason why I'm asking is because there's probably women watching this yeah. who have them, and men who are probably watching this saying, I'm doing that to my, you know, I'm trying to help her, and she doesn't see it, you know? Yeah, I, I actually used my abortion several times to try to push him away because I thought he wouldn't love me if he knew that I killed the baby because he loves children so much. And so I use that as a weapon. And um, Paul would have 50 kids if we could. You know, part of my redemption story is... What is he, Amish? (laughs) (laughs) Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Glory! Um, you You know, some story... I have a beautiful redemption story because I was still blessed and able to have kids. And back in the 80s still, abortions were rough, especially backstreet abortions. They were rough. And so a lot of women were never never able to have children. So I was blessed to have two. But then part of our redemption story, we ended up falling into doing foster care. And so we took care of over 30 kids, and we adopted three. So I I had the blessing to still be a mom. 
Amen. So I got to see God work through that. The, one of the hardest parts for me was telling my daughter, because I have a, a ministry called S.W.O.R.D., and I had to sit her down and tell her my testimony before I could ever get on the stage to tell it. Hmm. You know, and that was the hardest thing to admit that, you know, when your dad used to come home, I used to throw you at him. You know, but it also opened the door for me to share what happened when God came in. So explain that. What is S.W.O.R.D.? I'm glad you brought it up because I was trying to figure out a way to bring that up. But what is it? And after all this stuff and you get delivered and all these things, like what got you to now? I want to speak about this. I want to help women. I think, see, like uh, nobody really understands that Roe v. Wade, Norma McCorvey, Roe, yeah. spent most of her life, her, the final ends of her life, mm-hmm. trying to stop abortion. She felt responsible for millions of babies' deaths. Yeah. And she didn't even have one. Yeah, yeah. She no. didn't even have an abortion. Yeah. You know no. what I mean? So can you explain S.W.O.R.D. and, and like that, that whole, that's got to be another healing process where you're trying to help women, you know? It is. And you know, I never, you never get fully healed. And the more you give out, the more healing you receive. Amen. It's crazy. It's Amen. awesome. Say that again. Look in that camera and say that again. You are ne- we're never fully That's healed. Good. The more you give out and help heal others, God does another level of healing in you. You cannot outgive God. You can't. So I had this ministry Man. called SWORD. I mean, it stands for Simply Women of Righteous Design. And the crazy part is it's a women's ministry. It has blessed so many men. It's absolutely crazy. She's blessing us. And so... Um, the harder the people are, the more I love them. I love the people that get thrown away. They're too hard. They're too unlovable. They're too this. They've gone too far. That is a bunch of crap. No one has gone too far. If you are still living and breathing, there is still hope. So I love dealing with the girls that have been raped. I love dealing with those that have had abortion. I love being able to stand up there and to, to speak back the word. You know, everything the enemy intended to destroy and kill us with, God will get glory if we begin to learn to testify, if we allow him to come in and heal us. And so I've taken my message with no apologies. I am who I am. I make a lot of mistakes, but you know what? I'm his. And so I just go forth like that. And we ministered to over 2,000 women when we lived in Miami, and people started coming from all over for the conferences, and he has just rebirthed it. So we're doing transformation weekends, women coming in and hearing the real raw stories. It's not covered in all this grace. It's not covered in junk. It is just real and is raw and coming in and speaking truth and love, not judging them. Yeah, and I, I, I think that is so vital to, you know, you you said in a good way. It's it's not just covered in grace or slathered in in grace. Yeah. And it, like it's gonna you, be okay. Yeah, you're yeah. just gonna get through it. Shut up. <laughs> no, what you, are you talking no, about? You need the real raw story to really connect with it. Because right. if I hear a story about somebody who just tells like their life was like without covering, you know, with all that other stuff that's important, but I need to know you're on my level and you've been through my level. Cause as soon as you start covering it with all that stuff, I start thinking, well, that's out of reach for me. There's a, there's a, there's a place for grace, but my ministry for when I speak, cause our ministry has a motto. We heal, we equip, and then we empower because man, we don't have to be victims. And that was one of the most awesome things when I realized, dude, Nobody controls me anymore. Amen. I am Amen. his. I want to. I want to go back to something, and it's going to be part of the, going back to your story. I think too, a lot of women, men too. I realize this. If my father was apathetic as my dad, that's how I viewed God. Yes. If yes. my dad was a, a prick, so true man, you know, I, that's the way I viewed God. If if my mother, who Christian, right, pastor's wife, dealt with anger for over twenty years and prayed against it for over twenty. Years, yeah, and the things God did to her to deliver her from that, okay, and the things that God did to deliver her, um, were, were pretty extensive. I remember she called me one time at night and she was, it, it seemed like she was dying. I was out of my girlfriend's house, I was doing stupid crap, you know, I wasn't even serving God. And uh, I remember she called me and she said, I need you to come now. Or it was my brother that called me, said, I think mom's dying, she's on the couch. This was uh, about 20 years ago, okay, and I come running in the door, and there she is, and she's trembling, right. And all she did was grab my hand, and I can feel it now, man. I just lost it. She's like, just forgive me. I need you to forgive me. Forgive yeah. me. That's all she kept saying. And there was a 40-day period, 40 days, where she's like, I physically cannot eat. Mm. I can't eat. And for a long time, I viewed God as the way my parents were. Right. Is that something, are you, yeah, you, is that, something that you 
saw? Is that something that you so, took with you? Yeah. So I definitely think it does. When I first met my dad at 18, you know, he was an, he was an alcoholic, but I, I desired so bad. I knew that there had to be a daddy that loved me. And, um, so when I met him, we got drunk together. It was awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I got saved in the nineties, it was the Abba father movement. You know, that's all you heard was Abba father. He's a good, good father. Crap, don't say he's my father, because my image of a father was horrific. Yeah, it was abandonment. So I can handle Jesus, I can handle God, but don't say he's my father. Um, and so that just messes me, messes you up, messed me up for a long time. And I went to a John Paul Jackson conference in St. Simon Island, Georgia, um, here in the Voice of God. And I remember it was the first time I'd ever heard an audible voice, and he walked past me, and there was nobody near me, and all of a sudden I just felt like a brush, you know. And he said, see, you're my daughter, you know? And so all of a sudden it broke in me, but it was pockets. It took years to get through because I had years of abuse and years of pain, years of rejection. You know, then you have the fear of man and I'm never going to measure up. If anybody ever knew what I did, you know, and I think that's why I struggle with abortion when people picket it. I want to slap the crap out of them. Because you don't know who's there because they were forced to be there and already feel like failures as per, you know, we get so religious doing it. I understand why people do it, but you will never see me on a picket line because my heart is for the broken ones that really don't want to be there. <clears throat> and most of them, even the ones that say they want to be there, right? deep down, that is a, that's a bunch and of I, crap. And I, I do know guys who go, there's a, there's a group, Cal's Astro is the bomb. They go and he goes. They're they're called. He calls them death pits, you know. But like, so many women get saved and turned. You know, like they go yeah. out and preach the gospel to them and be like, "This isn't your only option." And you know, there's these adoption houses and you know. So like, there's people out there le- legitimately not picketing for their, you know, just to right. prove themselves right and self righteous. It's the virtue signal, bro. Like, but like they desire to see women right. Not make and I'm that sure choice. there are good ones. There, and there's only a few that I've seen. That's what yeah, I'm saying. I have very I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! There's some that just are just keeping there, that like, real. Woo! You're killing so, your kid. Oh, that's that's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah that really him. helps. Right. That'll change him. You're you're a sinner, you moron. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got it. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. And you got anything else? No, that's that's really along the line that I I think we need to remember is what we're doing as far as Christians in that battle really matters because we're we're trying to change the minds of people who are hurting, people who are in extremely tough right. situations between a rock right. and a hard place, people who are confused and scared and just don't know what to do or where to go. Yeah. And if we're not careful about how we handle those situations, they see the other side who's saying, we love you, we think you should do this because this is best for you, right. which... It's very scary if we push them into those people's right. arms. You right. know? Could you, um, when Carrie said that you spoke at the women's retreat, she said there was just a lot of hope that you delivered to the women and that you, I don't know if you made them stand up or I don't remember what had happened. Man, I was so proud of them when they did that. I know. And that takes a lot. It takes guts to stand up in, in faith yeah. and like say, man, that's me. And it's like, Christ took the shame. I don't want you to have that. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, can you look in this camera and just preach? I don't care how long you preach, but talk to these women and men who have gone through this and give them some hope and give them the gospel and give them grace. Because this is important for us to give hope, not just pull out the issues. I hate that. Which is yeah. There's always everything wrong. Christ yeah. told me to be the light. Right. And, and a city set on a hill right. can't be hid, you right. know? That's what we want to give here. So if you could do that, right. that would be fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Let it rip, girl. Man, I wasn't prepared for all this, but dang, I'm going to take it. <laughs> In uh, season and out of season, sweetheart. Right, right. Get it done. I love I love preaching. You know, I'm not a teacher, so all I know is how to preach, you know, and I just say, I put myself out there. I have nothing to hide. You know, when I stand before women and I say, do you know people that walk and carry the shame, they never become who they were called and created to be. And so they can take that garment of shame off. And so I stand before people, can, can God really heal someone that's been then beaten and raped? Can he clean them up? And I say, yeah, you're looking at it. Can God really love you if you've had an abortion? Is there forgiveness? And I say, yeah, 
You're looking at it. Can he redeem you? Can he use you? Can he give you a word? Can your word be a testimony to help somebody? I say, yeah, I'm right here. You know, uh, do I look perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But I am the head. I am not the tail and neither are you. It is time we stand up. It is the church. The church is going to be led by those that have been rejected and stomped down. They just need somebody to come along inside of them and say, you know what? The blood of Jesus covers it. There is redemption. There is power. There's healing. There's testimony. There's so many people out there that have the calling of a prophet, the calling of a seer to be able to pull down healing. It's already there and they have the gift to pull it down. That's part of my gift. And there's so many people out there that are just under the blanket of shame. Well, what will people think if they knew this? Who cares what people think? People have judged me my whole life. And they're going to judge me the rest of my life. But you know what? I'm okay with God. So you know what? I just extend my hand out to you. I say, man, let me help you up. Let me help you up. The freedom and the joy is so much better. So much better. I am not letting any man put anything on me. I am his. And he says, I am loved by him. And so are you. Amen. Amen. I want, I want you. you guys to know that what she just said is life. And... You know, people say, man, they're going to judge me. Dude, they call Jesus a wine bear, but the most perfect dude yeah. on earth. Even the prophet Muhammad talked about him, and they called him a drunkard. Mm. Yeah. They called him the devil. A glutton. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> the most perfect dude on earth, right? Yeah. It's not that people are going to look at you funny. It's can you show Jesus Christ to the world? Yeah. That's the question. Can you be the light of Christ to those people? Michelle, I, I'm, first off, like, I'm proud of you in the sense that not a lot of women have guts to talk about this. And it takes, I'm so glad to see the movement of women yeah. Yeah. rising yeah. up yeah. in the church, not a feminist movement, Absolutely. but taking up their calling and their mantle. My wife, is, she, she's been kind of hammering me on this, like, cause I was like old school and a lot of, not that I wouldn't allow women to preach. She right. preaches all the time, but I was like, man, it's, it's getting weird. Is it feminism? Is it this? And I look at my wife and I'm like, she's the farthest thing from a feminist. She's, right. she's a preacher. I can't stand the feminist movement, right. but there is power in women. There's Deborahs out there. Amen. And they yeah. have to be heard or they're going to be consumed from the inside That's out. That's right. And I believe a lot of women are taking their mantle because the men won't do it. Just saying. Right. And I, there's another there's another radio oh, show. Oh, yeah. That's right? a whole different <laughs> and it's, one. And again, I'm not putting down men. It's just that I, I love seeing what's happening yeah. because the women are now having a voice to redeem the women. Right. And redeem men. Yeah. Amen. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely. Do, I, I, it's just awesome. Well, and there's there's a reason God chose Ruth as a judge because the men weren't standing up. The men weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. So God said, "Fine." Get this guy dropping truth right? nuggets, man. Dang. So I think what we're watching right now is women standing up to wake men up. Yep. In a spiritual sense of. But it's too that the know. women are combating the feminist movement that's gone perverted. Yeah. Right. The righteous women are standing against this now saying, whoa, 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 right. look, we get it. Women have a voice. They've always had it. They're never not had a voice. God never told them to shut up. Yeah. Right. Right. They're just taking it perverted where it's like, we don't want to be like, we want to be just like the men. We want to be like that. Have Go, go work in a welding shop. Go work in an oil field. You know what I mean? Go to, no, 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 not that part, right? You know, it's it, so I, I, I love seeing women take up the mantle, you know, and, and the power and the authority that they got. Mm-hmm. Michelle, I'm just proud of you. Like having the ministry. Could you give people also the ministry like website and stuff like that? Yeah, it's um, theswordministry.com. And we're on Facebook, too. And so we have a conference coming up, a weekend retreat, Transformation Weekend, May 17th through the 18th. And it's going to be at the Okeechobee um, Convention Center. Registration opens January 1st. So, And, you know, I just want to add to what you just said, Massey. I would not be who I am, and I would not be able to be even close to do what I do if I didn't have an awesome man of God as a husband. He supports me 100 percent. You know, we put both each other through so much hell in 28 years, coming into our marriage so broken and with so much baggage. But I have a man of God, and there are good men of God out there. And being submitted to him, he doesn't walk over me, but man, he has my back. He opens doors for me to be able to be who I am, and he's not threatened. So 
it's a good thing. It's a good combination Amen. when men and women can come together and not be intimidated by each other's powers and gifts. Isn't that awesome? When when men and women can just be who they are, yeah. who they're created to be, it's a powerful force. Absolutely. If we all just took our giftings, callings, and mantles together and we did it together in unity, we it's might a powerful be, force. It's a powerful force. And we might actually flow in the river of the supernatural instead of sprinkles thinking we have the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> and it's I mean, no longer pockets. It's actually life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Michelle. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. So, so hearing that message of how God can redeem, I just want to read a story, and I want you guys to have, this is kind of like a thinking type story and question, and I want you guys to ponder the questions, and I'm going to give you the answers as soon as I get done with the questions, Okay. Would you consider an abortion in the following four situations? There's a preacher and wife who are very, very poor. They already have 14 children. Now she finds out she's pregnant with their 15th. They're living tremendous poverty. Considering their poverty and the excessive world population, which some preach, would you recommend she get an abortion? Hold on to that thought. I'm going to go to the second question. The father is sick with the sniffles. The mother has tuberculosis. They have four children. The first child is blind. The second is dead. The third child is deaf. The fourth has TB. She finds out she's pregnant again. Given the extreme situation, would you consider recommending an abortion? Third question. A white man raped a 13-year-old black girl and she became pregnant. If you were her parents, would you consider recommending an abortion? Here's the fourth question. A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby and he's very upset. Would you consider recommending an abortion. I'm going to give you the answers and who these people were in all four stories. The first one, the preacher, if you would have recommended abortion in any of these situations, you should know that. In the first case where there was like 16 kids, you would have recommended killing John Wesley, one of the greatest evangelists and field preachers in the 18th century. That's so powerful, man. In the second case, you would have killed Ludwig von Beethoven, one of the most famous musical composers of all time. In the third case, you would have recommended killing Ethel Waters, one of the nation's leading gospel singers. In the fourth case, you would have just recommended killing Jesus Christ. I remember I was outside of a Walmart in Sparta, Wisconsin. And um, this kid was 16, and he brought up his girlfriend who was 15. And he said, dude, I was just about to get an abortion. And he said, but what if I killed the next president of the United States? <laughs> and it like, it hits you in that regard. Like <clears throat> when you can think of the potential of that baby and what it could be, right? How many people grow up in awesome situations still end up bad kids? How many kids like in these situations grow up in terrible financial situations, terrible health situations, and look what they become. Look what they become. Jesus being born in a manger, bro. Like, I mean, think about that, right? Jesus being born in a manger, and we have the Savior of the world. And that's where I want to lead to the next story, because Michelle was, that was powerful. And now we have Chris. Hey. Now, I want to say something, and, 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 and there's, there's a lot to, to, the, to the story here and uh, what's going on. <clears throat> so after hearing uh, Michelle, we wanted to bring on this gentleman. His name's Chris Jackson, and uh, he's, he's an awesome supporter of Self-Evident. Um, he goes uh, to church here at Revive Church, and I want to read uh, what he commented on the last podcast. He said, we need more people taking this head on. Thank you, Mike and Massey. Before I continue so I don't feel like a hypocrite, that's what broke me, bro. I want to publicly confess I was part of an abortion when I was 17. My girlfriend at the time wanted to do this and asked me to pay for it. Although it was not my decision, I, did, I didn't fight it. I did not know God then. I did not have a support system. I want to say, Massey, you're so right when you say it's up to us as the church to continue to build up and support our youth. It's up to us as a people. It's up to us as parents to teach our kids godly values to prevent them from these decisions. It shouldn't even be an option. He put it in all caps. This, instead, uh, uh, this decision is always made because we do not know God. We don't know his faithfulness or his power to provide his promises. Instead, we stress about worldly things, not enough money, too many kids, etc. No faith. This doubt comes from this world and the evil of this world. For the people that support people into making this decision, like Mike said, shame on you. 
this is evil as well. I know God has forgiven me, so I don't worry about my past decisions, but I will always stand firm against this for the rest of my life because it's not right. Don't be fooled emotionally by the evil deception that lies, uh, that lies to you when they say it's okay. There is no reason this makes it okay. I love what you guys are doing and what you stand for. And Chris is here. <laughs> we love you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, when, I, when I was reading it, it was like, to hear it from a guy's perspective, like Michelle said, like there's this guy's perspective we never get a chance to hear. And the reason is because women are always like, it doesn't matter about the guy's perspective. You're not a girl. You don't know nothing about my body. You don't know, you know, they, they shame men into saying you don't have a part in this. When it's like, bro, but the thing, sis, the thing that's growing in your belly right now isn't yours. It's not, it's not a part. That's, that's a separate life. And so we never hear from the guy. And I think, I think it happens more often than we like to admit where the guy is against having the abortion. Yeah, he'll take care of it. But, but he doesn't have much say in it because everything has come to, you don't have a say. You're not allowed to have an opinion on this. Because it's her body. It's it's her choice, right? Now, I think the majority of times it's it's on the woman making the, the decision the, yes. from the guy. But yeah. there there like is a Michelle percentage. Yeah. yeah, there is a percentage of guys who get stuck in that position and they don't they don't feel like they can say anything, right? Yeah. So Chris, I wanna know about your story. Cause it, it sounds like, at least from from what you said, that you were at least confused about what was going on or, or you were unsure. You, it sounds like you were hesitant about the whole thing. So just kind of walk us through what happened. What's the background on all of that? Your life at the beginning. To- yeah. So where were you born? <laughs> How big were you? Eight, seven? About 22 no. inches? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know all those things. Well, you know, I kind of grew up... Um, it's an honor to have you here, bro. Thank you. I want you to know it's that. an honor to be here. You know, I watch you guys I all the time, and uh, I love you guys. That, man. So, you know, I, I I just grew up, uh, you know, not big. You know, we were we went to church, you know, here and there. Nothing. It was never forced on us. CODs, Christmas, and I was basically taught believe there is a God, believe Jesus died for you, for our sins, and you'll be okay. <laughs> and that was it. So no pushing, no nothing. So I didn't really know the Lord. I didn't know God. <clears throat> and, you know, I kind of grew up in an environment of uh, my dad remarried several times, kids from every marriage. Um, I, I grew up thinking that I don't ever want to do that. You know, I, I want to make sure and I didn't even know God at the time, but I wanted to make sure that whoever I was going to be with, I wanted to get married one time and and be with them forever. And of course, that didn't work out. Um, but, you know, as a young kid, I didn't really have guidance and all these things. And, uh, you know, growing up in society back then, which is a lot worse today, you know, it's cool. It's macho, you know, hey, you know. Sin is all around us, you know. I didn't know what I was doing. I was right. a child, you know. And, you know, I lived in an opportunity. I was just basically no guidance. And, yeah, one thing led to another. And I'm pregnant. I'm getting an abortion. And you're paying for it. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't. At the time, I didn't know. Uh, I did, if I can honestly say, I felt uncomfortable, you know, with everything. Uh, I did back then think, you know, I'm 17 years old. I can't have a child, you know. But again, I didn't know. I went along with it. Um, But I will tell you that even though that relationship, you know, wasn't anything, I never forgot that. You know, it stuck with me forever. You know, and I can only imagine that every time somebody does that, you don't just do that and forget it. I mean, we just listened to Michelle. She remembers it vividly, clearly, you know. And just listening to you guys, um, 
I just think that there's our society is just horrible, you know, and we're surrounded by evil so much. And uh, mainly the big thing for me is uh, that our society tells us it's okay. And I hate that, you know, and I don't like the word hate. I watched you guys in that last podcast before I wrote the comment and I watched your emotional roller coaster, you know, from the beginning to the end of, you know, not that it's really hate or anger. It's just, it's such a passion topic. It's it's passion. It's passion. passion and, and, And like going through the trimesters and like, who wants to talk about that? You know, and I could see you guys just going through it. But my big thing is, we need to talk about this. We got to talk about this. Listening to you talk about how you raise your, your sons, that's, that like motivated me to be a better parent. That was awesome. You know, and that's what we need. We have to talk about this. Yeah. This is huge. And, and, I, and I, <clears throat> I think the, the, the last, I, I couldn't, I think why passion comes out is because, y- you know, Michelle's sitting here, you're sitting here. Mm-hmm. It it hurts to touch the fire. And we're lying to these people that the fire doesn't hurt. Yes. And it's like, if I love you, if my parents love me and I'm about to touch the hot stove, they're going to grab my hand and smack it. I don't need to swim in shark-infested waters to know that sharks bite. You know what I mean? And we play with, exactly. we play this Russian roulette game with life thinking we got one more day. We got one more day. Not knowing the word says we're not promised tomorrow. And the decisions you make now and the seeds that you sow now in your life are going to reap a harvest. You sow seeds of, of lust and darkness, bro, you will. And your kids will reap it. Dude, I fear in that sense, that sin, because I was in that sin. You know what I mean? I don't want that to come on my kids. And God cursed that mess in Jesus' name. But it's like... I look at so many men who get put under this, uh, uh, I don't know, bondage is the word, like a silencer. You best shut your mouth because you don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, you're not worth it in this conversation. But yet those same people will blame deadbeat dads for not taking care of the kids. Right? So there's so much hypocrisy on that side. I want to know from you, after getting that abortion... What was it like having kids like with, you know, you got married. She's awesome. Vinny's killer, man. I, I love Vinny. Uh, she's a great singer. She's on the worship team with us. And this cat's like a gentle giant, man. He's like six foot a million, right? And he's this giant dude, but he's a gentle giant. What's it like? You know, have, have you talked to your wife about this? How did you bring it up? Did, if you ever brought it up, um, what's it like having your kids now? Coming out of that mess, you obviously found Christ. How did that get redeemed in your heart? Uh, well, I, first I want to start with, uh, you know, I ended up meeting another woman, you know, my daughter, Emily. And yeah. um, I, I want to tell a story she's about cool that too. as well, you know. so She's talented, man. She's very talented. Um, you know, uh, me and her mother, we didn't have a great relationship. It was pretty rocky. Um. When she got pregnant, you know, I had some of my own family members tell me, you need to get an abortion. So listening to you talk about that, too, that was kind of why I made that comment. You know, that I think about that today. You what did you just say? She's very talented. My daughter is amazing, bro. Amazing. (laughs) Right. So imagine imagine if I would have took the advice of a family member who's looking out for your best interest. That's what they think they are. Right. Which is, you know, I, I'm a, I have a big firm stance against that. You know, we should never, we should never advise that. I mean, you just went through four amazing, uh, you know, you were asking, would you recommend, you know, it's such a message of no hope. Because somebody's scared, somebody, you know, or, or doesn't know what's going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. this message of, you have no hope if you go through with this. Your only chance of having a good life is if you get get rid of the kid, right? Which is frustrating. Because that's mm-hmm. saying, where you're at will always be where you're at. That was in his comment, where it's like, we think of the worldly excuses, yeah, not 
faith excuses are like, isn't it crazy? Because Christians do it too, right? Like we'll take worldly advice instead of God's in matters of promises. Right. Right? Our family, dude, I'm serious. I don't know what it is about ministry. You probably experienced it too, Michelle. I'm sure you've experienced this. Y'all are crazy for being Christian because it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. My, uh, uh, our camera guy here, John, we were talking this morning that, that the natural man doesn't understand things of the spirit. It just can't. They're spiritually discerned. As a matter of fact, Romans 8 says that the carnal man is enmity. The mind is enmity. It's an enemy of God, right? right. And so it's like, it's so crazy how like people pr- preach love all the time until it comes to keeping your baby. We want to love everybody. What's that big buzzword today is love, love, and tolerance. Love, 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 but not for your baby. Right. Right? Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so, you know, and, and nothing against my family. You know, I, I don't want to well, great. No, say, no, no, say, no, it's not like a no, prayer. Prayer. No, 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 that I just capped them. on them. No, 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 no. My family, I love my family. No, no, my family's great. But my, the point I want to make with that is, you know, it's just thrown around like it's just it's okay, mm-hmm. bro. When it's not okay, we there's so many people that are just brainwashed that it's okay because that's what society has delivered today, and and I want to speak against that, you know. Um, so again, nothing against my family that recommended that. Again, like you just said, it was they were thinking in my best interest, right? And I'm so thankful that I didn't, right? Um, and again, I didn't know God at that time in my life either. You know, I was living in sin at that at that time. You know, I wasn't married, and and you know, needless to say, the the, the relationship didn't work out. But we tried, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I met my wife, my amazing wife that I have now, and we've had uh, my son Umberto, and and we've had twins now, uh, four year old twins. We're gonna put pictures of those and, fat uh, little babies. <laughs> and I, I just, cheeks, I, I tell you one thing, I I feel so blessed in my life with my children, um, even going through that. Um, I have a beautiful family, you know, including my daughter, Emily. She's amazing to me. You know, she's everything to me. So, yeah, it's just hard. It's a, it's a hard topic. Um, the main thing, the main message, too, that I would like to get out to whoever's listening out there is, is you know, something I feel like God has poured over me and, and many of my prayers lately when I pray about uh, things in this world and, and the evils of this world and, and I hear him say they don't know Chris they don't know and I, I think of this situation with me I didn't know you know so mm-hmm. I don't I don't ever want to be against anybody who's ever done it yeah. but we've got to rise up and fight to help people know I think it is our job as the church, as parents, to help our children know, to help people know, even if you've uh, made that decision, that it's going to be okay. Um, but we really need to fight. We do. Mm-hmm. Hard, because uh, I feel like we're losing this battle, you know, big time. Like, the the it's heavy on the other side, you know. It's, if, you, I, if you were to just pull 100 people off the street right now, I... I would guess that the majority would say that it's okay because they don't know. <laughs> because they don't know. I, you know, and, and I, I, I want you to continue to talk about this. I just want to give a little hope. Um, abortions as a whole are decreasing across the country. I think, too, like if you look at this is my belief. The only reason you're seeing abortion push so much, I believe it's because it's losing. You have yeah. to constantly promote a lie in order to make it look like truth. There's the, there's only one reason that this that this issue is raging right now is because people know it's wrong. Inherently we know something is wrong. Yes. With this issue, are you good? Uh something is wrong in our hearts. You know when you first told a lie as a kid you're like that ain't right. <laughs> right. Right? There's something inherent inside you or like inherently inside you God placed his law in our heart. And, and it's not that I don't believe you. I think as a whole, it's like, God, Lord, we, we got to fight. We have a long fight. Dude, and I get this all the time. And Michelle, Chris, I'm sure you guys have probably gotten this too. Uh, you sure got a big fight ahead of you, kid. It's almost like, why don't you just slap me on the back of that and tell me to just quit? You know what I mean? Like, 
I love the attaboys, pats on the back, and praying for yous. Those are cool. But at the same time, it's like, how about you join us? It's like a David and Goliath. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's, I, I can't, I have to look at this fight as if God already did it so many times in scripture, right? If he's done it and he's won the victory against the giants, then I have to be able to perceive that God's using us too, right? Mm-hmm. I think too, Chris, um, I'd like for you to speak to dads. I'd like for you to speak to men. What you said is right. I don't. I don't ever want to condemn, and I. And I. I we don't. Um, truth often is offensive in its own nature. That's not condemnation. That's just exposure. You know, we're just exposing sin. But can you speak to men who are going through this or who have gone through this and how to be a man through it? How can they be redeemed and loved to be a man? Right. I think Michelle said it best when she said, "I got a loving husband that supported me through it." Sometimes we need a loving wife to support us as men, you know, to yes. carry us. To, uh, to, to I, I wouldn't have got through some of my messes. My wife wasn't every night telling me, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep going, hon. I love this. I love being married to you. We were living in an RV, dude, for a year, and I'm feeling <laughs> like an emasculated man. Like, what are you putting me through this for? And she would always tell me, I love being married to you. It's an adventure. I need that in my life. Can you give hope to men? Yes. Um, I would first like to say... World peace, eight minutes, go. Yeah, I, I, first, I would like to say uh, anything anything you can bring, bring to the cross. You will be forgiven. Um, we shouldn't, we, we can't, we, you know, everything that I've ever struggled with in my life, um, I've just recently learned in the last three years in my walk that you bring it to God, and it goes away. Uh, you will find peace. You will find rest in it. The things that you've carried for years. So, first of all, I'd like to say that you can you can drop it off and give it to God, and and He will show you the way, and He will give you rest. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent, Massey. With you know, for me and my wife, thank God. Where I am weak, she is strong, and 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 and, and, uh, (laughs) straight up. What you guys were talking about earlier, um, Michelle, with your husband, uh, I feel the same way. Together, we are so much more powerful, and we're growing together. And and God is showing us amazing things uh, by staying strong and faithful, and 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 pushing forward, and, and and being more involved in the church, and. And just uh, learning and, and praying together and teaching our kids to pray together and, and you know, just being strong together and, and letting God show us uh, what our talents are and letting God uh, give us our path, His path for us, not our path for ourselves. And the more we submit together, it's amazing. And I think everybody can find that you know if if you have that understanding and patience what about the guy who his girlfriend his wife whatever is thinking about an abortion because that's a that's a hard position to be in because you want to support and you've been told time and time again it's you have no place in this decision it's all her decision like especially the experience that you've had in the years of wisdom that you've grown with. Yes. What do you say to him? What, how do you give him hope? How do you, how do you instruct him through that situation? That's a great question. You know, when I listen to all the reasons uh, women make that choice, uh, I, I, I can answer every one of them with lack of faith and not knowing uh, and, and not in a condemning way, you know, of uh, never, we don't want to do that. Right. Um, but understanding that God can provide, God is faithful. You can answer every one of those reasons with that, uh, and get to know, get to know the Lord. Read the Bible; you you will find all the answers. And and the, you know, I've really been on my walk heavy for the last three years and I really feel like I'm just scratching the surface and uh, you know it's I really believe it's a worldly thing 
You know, it's, um, it's too much focus on the flesh, not enough money, too many kids, too young. God can do anything. That's right. <laughs> Amen. God can do That's anything. That's right, man. Do you believe that he can walk you through anything? Amen. Amen. And that's hope to those who have made the decision. I, I, you know, I think to to kind of ra- wrap it up, you know, God will put us, I'll say this, God never tempts us, but there's trials allowed in our lives to grow us and to grow us in character. And then there's just flat out times where we just did it to ourselves, right? Like dead. You know, I, I talk about this a lot because we finally overcame it after six, seven years of being in massive financial debt. You know, God redeemed us, you know, from that. And it's cool to hear that, like, David, when you sin, right, and, and, and you fall with Bathsheba, you lose a kid, his heart is to say in Psalm 51, Lord, you know, uh, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit, cast me not away, all these things. <clears throat> I think out of these two stories, and we could tell our own, obviously, we've, mm-hmm. we've, I never had an, thank God I never got involved to have an abortion or whatever. I will say this, the first girl I ever dated said that if we get it, you know, if we ever have sex, we're not having kids. And if we do have an abortion, I'm like, okay. And I wasn't a Christian, you know, I didn't know, right? But I, I know that even though we created, in some cases, our situation, or it mm. was thrown on us, do you see the end goal here? The redemption through Jesus to make you an overcomer. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, right? They're all about empowerment, and they're like, you don't need Jesus for that. Are you kidding? He's all I need for that. Mm-hmm. He overcame the cross and death and the grave. I can't imagine all these people who are feeling empowered, and they march with, like, pink vagina hats on, right? <laughs> and they're walking up to Washington, lying to themselves, saying that they're empowered when they're really not. The only reason that they're doing it is because they're insecure, and they don't know how to get rid of their sin. And they're tried by it, and they can't get rid of it because they've never been told about the cross. They've never been told about a God that loves them in truth, that died for them too, that became man in flesh and dealt with the same temptations but never fell into them. The one that can still give me the power to overcome all sin. That's what they need to hear. Not being empowered to sin, empowered to overcome the sin. Amen. And that's what like frustrates me, I think, more and more. Not even in a mad way or an ungodly way. It's that there's so much hope through the cross, man. Like, I want to know from people, I think you kind of said this, Michelle. I want people to be able to weep over their sin again, not cover it. To know that when you like... There's, there's, this, there's this pain about sin because of what it did to Jesus Christ. Like I tell young kids a lot, you're the one who put him on the cross. It, you were nailing his hands and feet to the cross. You stuck your sword in his side. You put the crown of thorns on him. You're the one that spit in his face and called him every name under the sun. You pulled his beard. You made him his, his, his visage. Un, you, you couldn't even tell who he was. Like that's how heavy sin is, right? But the cool part is he did it. And despise the shame because he loved me. Unconditional love. And that makes the love all the greater. And one totally of, true. Dude. One of the things that I think people may get wrong about us is, oh, you guys are always talking about what's wrong or, or what's sin or, or you're pointing out justice. You need to point out love. The problem is if we don't even know what sin is, if we don't have the roadmap of, of getting us back onto the path of this is sin and this is, isn't, we're lost. That's right. And we're, we're in a very lost, confused, dark nation right now where we're debating about whether or not it's okay to kill a baby. So when we point this stuff out, it's not because we're just, we're hyper obsessed with sin. We're pointing sin out and trying to say, look, this is bad for you. This will destroy you both spiritually and physically and mentally. Destroy nations, right? And, once you know the gravity of your sin, then you can start to know the beauty of God's love, bro. the beauty of Christ and what he did. And dude, one of the things I've really been trying to do over this past year is really start to scratch the surface of what Christ's love really meant being on that cross for my sins. Because so often in the church, we, we stand and we say, yeah, Christ died for my sins. Thanks. It's, 
It's like handing a bag of Cheetos. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> let's let's have a little more understanding yeah. of it. You know, like I, I agree. The gravity of the situation of like your sin put him on the cross. But that, like, I think Michelle said it too, and you kind of alluded to it. Like that unconditional love is so hard to understand when you don't understand your depravity. Exactly. Thank you. You, you, you like total depravity of man when you finally realize. I am so powerless against hate. I'm so powerless against loathing, self-loathing, right? And all these things. I believe a lot of false humility, false humility happens because we think that humility is self-deprecation. Yeah. I'm awful. I'm horrible. I'm terrible. It's exactly it. We think that's humility. No, humility is self a, a self dying. It's just yeah. a dying to self. It's it's putting self someone else above your needs, yeah. right? When your needs are met, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know the value and worth of your soul, yeah. dude. You know what the value and worth of your soul is? God's son. Oh my gosh, that I never even thought about it that way. The value of your soul is God's son. That's awesome, and it it's not just Christ died for. Everybody, Christ died for you. A lot of times we, we, and I've struggled with this, we put it to where, uh, well, Christ died for everybody. So I'm included in that, but no, he died for me. There's something to that, man. Right? Sometimes we need to hear that. Like Christ died for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. All of us. The trippy thing is all of us can pray at the same time and he answers all of us. That's the craziest <laughs> thing. He's not a secluded God. I have a hard time listening to her and watching my, my, my phone, right? <laughs> I hate it when she tries to talk to me and I'm texting. She's like, you're not even listening to me. I don't even know how to type and listen to you, right? I have a God that listens to me, that listens to Chris, that listens to Carrie, Mike, right? That listens to Michelle, that listens to John, that listens to the petitions of the children who are abandoned or the women, Right? And he answers all those prayers. I mean, and it's like I can rejoice in the fact that, dude, what a mighty God I serve. Amen. Right? What a mighty God that can take a young kid, right? Like like these two, or or a chubby little fat dude from Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, and, 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 and make him go preach all over the country, or a young woman who was told her parents were told she was a one in a million shot to be born, and that's my wife, right? who's awesome and beautiful, and God created her to be a minister, or a young man who's here right now who didn't know his purpose in life up until about seven months ago, and God's rocking his world, right? Absolutely. Or a guy who, who's like, he, he didn't know his purpose in life, and all of a sudden he's like, by himself, reading the Bible, get saved. Why? For what? Dude, we are either crazy or God is real. We are not crazy. Amen, dude. And it's not crazy. It's God. Amen. There's Amen. there's peace and hope in Christ. That's what these stories were meant to do. It was to bring peace and hope through Christ. You can't expect peace in the world if there's no peace in you. There you, you just you're you're in a fantasy world. And you know what? You can die knowing that the world could go to hell and that there's tornadoes and hurricanes around you and that there's bombs and fires in your soul. There's peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. That's the purpose of these stories, and I'm so thankful that you two came on the show tonight. I'm, I, I don't know if you got anything else to add, bro, because there's, there's just so much to this. But Oh, man. there's. I do want to give a little bit of hope. Um, we were talking a little bit about you know what, what way is America swaying, and, and I just want to give some hope that we're, we haven't crossed the finish line to end this, but people are waking up. Amen. Little um, by little. We, little by little, we had the Ohio bill that passed the Senate, which would ban abortions once a heartbeat is detected, which that could be 14 days. That could be before she even knows she's pregnant. Now, is that the finish line? No. But the fact it passed through the Senate tells me people are starting to figure out that they can do it. That's right. That they can change it. And we need to be all the more um, vigilant and know the truth. And that's why we went through all the details of what goes on, what happens, wh- how does this procedure take place? Because people need to know. 
the details. And so I want to give hope to you guys and say, look, things are happening. Tides are shifting. We have a generation coming up that's one of the most conservative generations ever. They need to know the truth, and they need to know hope, right? So I want to give that to you guys. I want to say, look, we're not out of this. Yep. And 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 I think we should do an abortion number three on after this I one. Here's so. why, because it's a it's a shame that we have to pass a law instead of us just preaching the gospel mm-hmm. and turning hearts so that they don't commit these things. And I think that's a good thing. I'm more libertarian at heart. I don't want more laws. I think we just need more Jesus. You know what I mean? I think we need more Jesus instead of more laws, right? Because laws don't change hearts. Christ does, right? And I think that's a good topic to get into. It's like if we could just continue to preach the gospel and show people that he creates life the way our Declaration of Independence says, bro, I'm telling you, we don't need more laws. We need more Jesus. And I think that's a great one that we should do next time. Guys, First off, we want to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. And you just see here, there's 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 so many stories that that people are finding hope in Christ. And if you guys uh, want to support uh, the ministry, please go on to theselfevidenttruth.com. If you click on the second icon, you guys can support the podcast. We would love your support. And you know why? Because it's getting out there. People are transforming. People are changing. You're not sowing into bad ground. You're sowing into good fertile ground. Also go on the Patreon page. If you guys go on to patreon.com forward slash self-evident ministries, also get on our Facebook, our Instagram, YouTube, subscribe guys. Cause the more these videos get out, we're just bringing hope. And uh, we don't, we, if you guys want to book us to speak, which I do frequently, uh, please go online. You guys can book us on the website as well. And uh, always remember this. There's always a redeemer, you know, through everything, there's always a redeemer. And the Bible says his arm is not too short that it cannot save and his ear is not too far that it cannot hear. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Love you guys.